a so a little bit of technical difficulties there. Give me this. Okay. No, you're fine. All right, go for it. A little bit of technical difficulties there. It seems like Gyark and Craig bounced out, but we should be good here for the rest of the episode now. Before we left, we were talking about Lewis and Mercedes not yeah. wanting Red Bull on their heels. Yeah, and I I think at the end of the day, the the one side of it that I can see Mercedes being more comfortable with it uh with this title fight is it does it is more attractive for fans um it does make it more exciting if it's just mercedes winning by a lot every single race it's not as fun it's not as exciting everyone knows what's going to happen so in that sense i see this being a a definite positive for f1 as a whole um I just wonder if Mercedes feels like they actually could lose this, if that makes sense. Like, uh, is this is this said from a place of uh, of kind of confidence that they'll be able to pull out another title, but with a closer season? Or I, I think that I think that that might be. I think it would be more concerning uh, for me than eagerness uh, for competition if they didn't feel confident that they could still win. And they right. still could. I mean, they won the first race. They got first and third. Um, so obviously there's uh, there's still good potential for for them to get the title. But I think it's a, it's a little... It would be more concerning to me if I were in their position. Yeah, okay. That seems like a little bit more of a reasonable take. So maybe they're a little more scared of Rebel and they're just like, oh yeah, it should be a good fight at the top. Uh, Yeah, it should be some good competition, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, That's that sounds reasonable to me. Um, Because yeah, the Rebel showing at Bahrain was incredible. Um, I think if Sergio is able to have a better qualifying performance, which I think he will, I think he'll settle into the car and, and be at least up into that top six, seven. I mean, he finished what, what was it? Fifth after starting in 20th from the pit lane. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think that'll pull a lot more competition into things over the next, uh, next couple races. I'm, I'm just excited for the next race though. It's going to be it's going to be good. Well, so am I. I think it says super excited about the prospect. Like I yeah, I'm kind of with you. I can't see him being like, "Oh yeah, man, I just love having my fucking ankles bitten." Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It does seem a little um like you were kind of getting at like disingenuous. And the the thing that I see is like, all right, so we have a 24-hour media cycle. We have, we have this racing series that's separated by weeks in between the big races. So, I mean, uh, who, who wrote this? I would love to see who wrote this. But, like, my man's got to eat, too. You know what I mean? That's so true. The, the thing that I think about is 
do they just, you know, have a question, they throw it out to them and Mercedes kind of has to answer. You can't be like a, you can't be a no comment company in a sport that's so surround, so like the sponsorship is so important where like you can't be like, you can't be saying nothing about things. So, yeah. And I I think also in a sport where it's, it's a much smaller sport than most other sports, there's a lot less teams uh, competing as opposed to like major league baseball or NFL or hockey, where there's 30, 32 teams. Um, and hundreds of players like there's 20 people to worry about like a little bit of it seems to me like trying to cook up a story out of nowhere and unfortunately unfortunately that may just be my take for a lot of f1 stories i feel like overall i'm just like unbothered in life i'd rather i'd rather just see the races i'd rather just see you know say it on the track kind of thing um i'm not really for the bullshit but does Mercedes actually want a fight with Mercedes? No. Do I think they want some show matches, you know, like they do for like senior night kind of thing where it's like, oh, let's get Exeter football over here, have our, you know, juniors and seniors whoop up on them. And, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be the game. Yeah, kind of show out make it a little exciting add some drama to it a little bit right something tells me mercedes wants a little bit of the uh a little bit of the porridge that's on the middle table you know like right there in the goldilocks zone i feel you yeah i think i think that's not uh it's not outrageous i just i thought it was interesting the way it was phrased and i i was like that's I had some thoughts on it. I mean, to, to your <laughs> so, point though, to your point though, like, yeah, I, I think they could easily just be shook and like, Oh fuck, these guys look really good. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they're like, yeah, we have to respond to this media request kind of thing. And we need yeah. to give them, give them something. We're not going to talk trash on our opponents. So let's, that's another thing. They're not just outright going to be like, yeah, it was a good showing at Bahrain, but quite frankly, Red Bull is trash. Max sucks. Checo can blow me. And then they just like, you know, fuck off the stage. They're not going to do that either. Yeah. Um, but so man, yeah, would that be an article? That'd be fucking hilarious, man. That would be quite an article. I'd put that um, on a shirt, dude. Checo can blow me. <laughs> Oh, when we make it to our first F1 race, I'm going to get a custom-made T-shirt for you. Oh, man, I'd wear that. I think that'd be hilarious. <laughs> that would be uh that would be entertaining. I'm not even like I'm not even like salty on the guy either. I I like it. No, I know. <laughs> it's just funny. But the uh the other article that I saw that I thought was interesting was this article about the sprint qualifying and so I hadn't really gotten, I know we had talked about it a little bit with like what their thoughts were on how they would do it and everything, right. but this laid it out, I think a little bit better. Well, where, and it seems like it's getting closer to like actually like coming to fruition, like being a thing. Yeah. And so I'm yeah. kind of, 
I, I'd be interested to hear if any uh, anyone listening has thoughts on it. But just uh, for for you and me thinking about it, they it basically says Friday you would have sprint qualifying. So I guess like a practice and then the sprint qual or no practice and then regular qualifier. So they would go through the standard qualifying procedure. All the teams do that. And then on Saturday, they would have the sprint qualifier where whatever position each racer finished in the, the standard qualifying would start in that position for a five, 10 lap race. And then from there, uh, the standings based on that would then go into um, into the race day on Sunday. So the more I think about it, what are the benefits of the sprint? Does it reveal what does it tell us about I, the weekend? What do we learn? Well, so I think the thing for me is it gives extra opportunities for drivers to actually be place in different positions based on their competitive driving, I guess, as opposed to more of an open, like the open qualifying where there's, they're not wheel to wheel. They're just, everyone's getting out of the other person's way and people are just zipping around, like going on their, their out lap and then taking their flying lap and just going. Uh, and everything. I think this shows, I mean, we saw races last season. We saw races where uh, Kimi Raikkonen gained 10 spots out of in the first lap of the race. And it gives opportunities for people who are good at starting and for people who are like to drive side by side, have that competitive uh racing from the start to potentially improve or um i guess worsen their their placement for the race which i think is i think it adds some intrigue a little bit what drivers do you think may benefit from this uh i would say veteran drivers primarily hmm. i think that someone like Kimi Raikkonen, someone like Sergio Perez, someone like Sebastian Vettel, like they have had so much experience in racing um, that I think they they have a little bit of an upper hand from the starts of a race normally. So I think it gives an opportunity. Um, and, and I mean, we even saw it with like uh, with Yuki. I think mm. he he dropped a few places right off the start of uh, of the Bahrain Grand Prix. Um, and I think, I think it favors experience uh, a little bit in that sense, but could also just favor people who are willing to drive aggressively could favor someone who's willing to just go balls to the wall from the start, try and put themselves in a, in a better position high risk high reward if you if you gun it out of the start try and make up places and then crash out and end up p20 
Like there's a lot of risk there, but if you can gun it out of the start, get a good start, pick up a couple spots, maybe you started, you would have started 12th after qualifying, but maybe you're up into eighth after the sprint race because you were able to get a good start. You were able to, to make a run at it, you know? So then what is the, like, I'm trying to think that what's, which one's the real qualifier? Which one's the one we really care about? Or do your places get aggregated into like an average? So the way it seems is the qualifying that we have now that they would do on Friday instead of Saturday would only matter in regards to position for the sprint race. Right. Okay. So then the actual qualifier then is would be the sprint, sprint race. Yeah. Now, do we get points for the sprints? Nope, just positions. Then there really is no... I think I think it just shakes things up more than anything. Would it, though? I'm not convinced that it would. I mean, there have been times where we've seen drivers get really good starts and get jumps on on people and things like that and shift their positions we've seen uh we saw ferrari with charles leclerc jump up to like third i think at the beginning of the bahrain grand prix from maybe like sixth or seventh uh in a ferrari car that wasn't quite that caliber he could have been starting if that had been a sprint race by the end of five laps or so he could have been up to like third fourth on the grid to start the actual right. race so i don't see it as good or bad necessarily because mm-hmm. there is obviously that like risk reward do you want to try and be super aggressive and potentially i don't know bump tires spin out put yourself in a really bad spot or I mean, you could do the same thing and potentially jump a couple of drivers ahead of you and and be in a even better spot for the race. Like it, I think more than anything, it just adds some interest and makes it a little bit different. Um, whether or not it's good or bad, I I don't think that I don't I don't see it as either like good or bad for F one. Right. So race yeah and and i also think that we won't really fully know and for this year they're they're just testing it i think so and i was trying to look through the article i don't think it said any of the races or like if there were certain races that they were considering it for or anything like that i don't think that they have any of that set in stone um But it also could potentially draw additional viewership, which I think is interesting because I'm sure a lot of people probably don't watch just regular qualifying. I'm sure there's there's a decent number of people who do, but I'm sure that not 100% of the people who are watching the race are watching qualifying the day before, watching the practice sessions and things like that. I think on the F1 side, an extra day where there's a, a real, real competitive kind of racing uh, setup like that could bring more viewers. Potentially. 
Hmm. Interesting. Now I'm seeing at the bottom it says uh the current plan would see points allocate or allocated to the top three finishes in the Saturday sprint race. Uh yeah, it does say that. So then there hmm. would be vested interest in playing the game. And like, that's my concern is like, hmm. what what other benefit do these racers have to like really going for it? Yeah, if that's not their, you know, their their strategy um, or their strong suit. And I think what would make this a little more appealing to me is very similar to um very similar to like CS:GO where they like vote on maps. I think it would be depending on the track you would have varied qualifying. So it's not the same thing every week and then different drivers have the, so then so then the different skill sets can can shine, right? True, because then you know maybe then Lewis isn't that good at a good at a a sprint race, and you know like Vettel and fucking Mick Schumacher and fucking Danny Ricardo are all the you know like oh because then it's another element of conversation and strategy like oh well they may be top of the boards now, but. Uh, blah 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 is really good in the sprint races, and that's what we have this weekend. So where you could previously expect like a P seven, maybe we can expect a blah blah, and then it's like blah 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 blah. So it, I, I think it would be interesting if they could make it such where it increases competitive uh, stratagem. I'll say I think that would be fun and interest me as a viewer. Gotcha. Rather than just like, here's some change for the sake of change, my friend. So maybe like how they do with qualifying where whatever tires you start on in what Q3 or whatever you have to use for the start of the race or uh, do something like whatever tires you start or you use for the sprint qualifier you have to use to start the race. So there's some tire where there's some like what if you went the other way? So the tire that you start with in the sprint race, you have to start at the opposite end end of the spectrum for the race. So let's say your strategy is I'm going to go on reds. You know, you have a solid qualifier on Friday. You say, I'm going to go on the reds and just kill these four laps, right? You get out there in front, but because you went and dove in the sprint race, you got to start on the hards on the race. That'd be interesting. It definitely would shake things up. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just like, I, I think I'm just intrigued by the idea. I think it would be an interesting addition. Yeah. And I think they're only looking at potentially doing it for three races this year. Yeah. So as like a test. Right. So three races out of 23, is that what yeah. we're at this year? Yeah. I don't think that's that bad at all. Like, no, and, it wouldn't, think, and it wouldn't chat me in the slightest. Yeah. I think it would give a good opportunity to kind of feel it out, see if it's worthwhile, see maybe what changes they can make to it to make it more interesting or to, to shake things up a little bit. And then 
who knows? Maybe it right. flops and they're like, oh, nope, not doing this. Or maybe it's really successful and teams like it and gives a good opportunity to, to do in the future. Yeah, it could go either way. Honestly, I don't really have a good like like uh, like barometer of the like where F1 fans generally lie on stuff like this. So, you know, let us know. Let us know what you guys think. But yeah, it seems like a perfectly, perfectly reasonable thing to do. I think experimenting is is fine as long as there's some as long as just as long as there's like some competitive reason for it, some, you know. Like, ah, we think we, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just usually prefer a reason. I agree. Um, yeah. Not just doing things for the sake of doing them. Yeah. Cause like, to be fair, as a new fan, like to see something that seems very core to the sport and has been very core to it and something that I've actually taken to enjoy, like, you know, you said, you know, a lot of people probably just watch the race. They tune in like they don't even care about what happened at practice. They don't watch well, qualifiers and they watch the race or whatever it is. But, you know, I've come to understand that the qualifiers are an important part of the race. So as a fan, I would actually be kind of like, oh, well, now you're just like taking it away. Like, guys, this was a bad time to get into it. Then I guess if you like that qualifying, which is why I said, like, have both or come up with another qualifying thing so then there you have three variations of it and then it's like a like a like a thing yeah i I gotcha seems Um, fun to me though yeah and i think i think the current qualifying is fine and not that i don't think a lot of i think there are a lot of people that watch qualifying and pay attention to that but because it does make such a big impact on the actual race itself Mm -hmm. but i think there are a lot less people who view that live or are like actively paying attention to that than the race, maybe like, I don't know, 75% of the fans watch both qualifying and the race. And then the other 25% just watch the race. Or That's still a pretty good chunk though. Right. I, I'm, I mean, I'm just guesstimating. I feel like in, in F1 fans are a lot I feel like there are a lot less casual fans of F1 than for some other sports. Like for for hmm. the NFL. Explain. Well, for instance, the NFL, like everything's geolocated. And I mean, there some of the teams for F1 are geolocated as well. But I don't think you necessarily, uh, growing up, you're like, I'm from the UK. I'm going to root for Mercedes or I'm going to root. I'm from Hungary. I'm going to root for Red Bull. I'm going to like, I think that even though these teams have their own locations for their home operations and things like that, it's not like the NFL where if you're from Los Angeles, you're a Chargers fan. If you're from Philadelphia, you're an Eagles fan. Like you, or it just, tends to be the like, norm. And, and and if you're in a city with a big sports team like the NFL, on a Sunday during the NFL season, most people are just at a bar watching all the games. They're chilling on the couch watching their games just waiting for their team to come on. And so it draws additional viewership for, for teams just by being there essentially. Right. right. Um, whereas F1, I think you actively, I mean, 
other sports, you have tons of home games every year or then plenty of away games. So you get to actually see your team live. Like with F1, you typically have like one race in your country and then they're out. So like right. if you're actively trying to watch and follow F1 compared to other sports, I think that you have to be decently more attentive to it. Um, there are lots of changing time zones for races. People who are watching the the U.S. Grand Prix down in Texas, if you're from Russia, if you're from Eastern Europe, if you're from even the U.K., depending, like, that's a night race, even though it's daytime down in Texas when they're racing. Right, like, right. there are a lot of those factors that I think make F1 more difficult to follow. Hmm. So if you are a fan of it, it is a lot... I think your fandom is a lot um, not more fanatical, but you're just more invested in in F one than than the major. Or if I ma- may, it sounds like you. It, it sounds like you're saying you have to be more tuned in because you're not just going to pick it up in particular. It's like. Just right. like like oh the buddies that you're with were watching the were watching the same night of games that you were and it's like oh da 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 and you're talking about the this and that and that right so right. Okay. like for instance I was uh, this past football season I was walking from my job to lunch I went to the Cadoba down the street um, to uh, get myself right and you just like hear it in the I. I Bumped into a random DoorDash bicycle delivery guy, and he's like, "So, how about them Eagles?" I'm like, "Yeah, man, how about them Eagles? They got that win." That like, right? I can't just walk up to someone randomly on the street and be like, "Yo, Max Verstappen, how no, about that's that?" True. That's true. <laughs> Interesting. Um, okay, so you like you're you have to be a little more intentional with the fandom, depending where you are in the world especially where we're at in the world, it's not like the most popular thing. Um, And yeah, if that were the case, if, you know, I would be a big Haas fan right now and wondering why F1 was such a shitty sport and why Mercedes wins everything. Yeah. And so like, that's why I would say, I think range on the higher percentages for people who tune into qualifying and the race. Right. I think that people are more tuned in like you that the way you put it um, to kind of pay attention more to right. the sport and follow it along more closely. No, that's actually a really good point. Cause yeah, I do find myself having to like, yeah, I, I, I actively have to be looking into it and looking for it. Cause like, yeah, nobody else around me is going to be like, Oh yeah, man, turn three. That's some bullshit. You know? I, plan, I plan my weekends around F1. I don't have to plan my weekends around NFL. I That's can just true. sit and just plop down on the couch, hit the, and it just the remote, and it's yeah. like it's there from mm. noon till like fucking midnight. So. Crazy. Crazy, man. Uh, but yeah, I, I think overall, uh, kind of getting back to the sprint qualifying, I think it would shake things up. And I'm just interested to see how it works out if it is going to be a positive or if it's just something that they're like, Hey, we tried it and didn't really do much. So maybe we'll figure something out, something else out. So, right. 
I'm curious what spurred the initial like exploration of a change or if that's just the natural course of things. I feel like there's got to be uh, in some in some way there has to be someone that's just like, hey, like, why don't we shake things up? It's been this way for so long. What can we do to change it? Yeah. Like, I'm curious, I, what if there's like lobby groups within like the FIA power structure that are pushing for, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if there's, if there's uh, some sort of agenda behind it, like maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe F1 teams, get i and i don't know how contracts with and league the league is set up but maybe f1 teams get a higher percentage or get a certain percentage of money from broadcasts and viewership mm. so like if there's a way there maybe there are people who are trying to be like well if we boost viewership for this other day we get more money from people right. watching it so that's more money in our pocket or i i honestly don't know but yeah, it could be a multitude of factors. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it could just be like, hey, intern, what kind of ideas do you got? And they're like, let me tell you. <laughs> just coming up with uh, with new ideas. I don't know. Well, what's funny, though, is on the F1, the F1 game, the like standard for like the short career thing like the short career game path, the races are only five laps. So True. it's clear that like that's in the heads of people there, right? It's not like like yeah. it's not like shorter races are like a novel idea or anything. But um yeah, I'm just curious like what brought because you know if if little um If if we're hearing about the conversations about a sprint race, you have to feel like it's pretty close to the surface. Oh, definitely. You know to, what I mean? This has to, and I think it's been something that has been brought up a number of different times. Um, I'm pretty sure that this has been proposed, and there's another article here that I, I thought I glanced at that I thought might have said it. But yeah, I think I think in a couple a couple of different years this has been proposed and been oh, shot okay. shot down. So I think that this uh, who knows where it came from initially, but it is something that's been discussed before in F1 and now this year they're like, ah, like maybe we'll give it a shot. So so it is some weird like lobby thing then. Like some group within wants this to happen. Right. And I think previously it's typically been shot down by the majority of teams. Right. I think they were kind of like, nah, we're not doing it. Hmm. So. Interesting. It is. It's a, it's a weird thing. Um, I can't even imagine how those conversations have to go behind the scenes. Um, that has to be kind of a weird spot to be in, but 
I guess we'll see how how that goes if they if they end up doing them this year, uh, where they end up doing them this year. It'll be it'll be cool, something different. So yeah, definitely. Before we move on to off racing, anyway, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Extreme E Rally that was in Saudi Arabia this past weekend. Yes, definitely. So overall, I didn't see the whole thing. But I watched some of the qualifying and I watched like the the later half of the race I caught and some production issues, some car issues, some interesting things. But yeah, overall, I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was pretty cool. It was, but it's it didn't hook me like F1 did. No. Um no. I think I think it's still a really cool idea and watching the races it was interesting like I'm yeah. going to have to go back through and watch uh check out some of the other uh, there've been a couple other races already right No that was the first one Oh that was the yeah. first one Yeah So I'll have to I'll have to be tuned in for other ones because it was interesting how they set it up with the qualifying being like 3 cars against each other Mm -hmm. and i think also the desert track was difficult with how much sand and dust got kicked up like the one wreck that happened that i saw in the highlights of it was like brutal and it was all because there's just so much sand being kicked up that no one can see anything i can't even imagine being one of those drivers and being trying to figure out like where the the flags and the zones are the drifting though for turns was pretty sick sure sure <laughs> they're just like kicking around them it, mm-hmm. it it does look sick now the the thing that's interesting about it is like that'll change where so the next race is like the the ocean race so instead of sand they'll be like dashing through like low water and like dunes and stuff so it'll be like a different um like environmental challenge i guess you could say so i think that's going to be exciting um but yeah it's um it 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 was definitely more rally than race in my mind yeah it was it was much shorter than I was expecting it to be. Yeah, it was also. only 20 kilometers or so. So I think that in my mind, I was like, oh, like I expected this to be a longer. Right. Kind Speaking of. of sprint races, right? Yeah. And yeah. so because they did what, like four laps around their their track or something like that. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, I thought it was cool though. I thought it was an interesting thing, and I think it'll be cool watching these cars in the different environments. Mm-hmm. I also was, thought it was pretty cool that there were some women drivers on the teams. I thought that that was like a kind of cool thing. You don't see that, like. crossover i guess in a lot of sports where you have men and women competing together and against each other and whatnot so i thought that was kind of cool that the some of the teams had uh some female drivers and the team that actually won this race had uh one of those female drivers 
I so. think each team is male female. Oh, is it? Re- I, I think I, so. Yeah. Which to, to your point, it's super interesting. I like that. I like that element of it. Gotcha. I didn't pick yeah. up based on the, what I saw that it was that way. I, I'm not surprised since I saw that it was like male female on some yeah. of the team. Um, but that was something that I thought was pretty cool. I was like, Oh, this is makes it, uh, adds a little extra twist to it. Um, and you get to see some of those competitive, uh, women racing as well that you, I feel like more rarely get to see in, in most racing sports. I mean, you do have the occasional, the, the Danica Patrick, and there's some other, uh, women racers out there, but I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, shoot. All right, so ABT Cupra XE, male, female. Akionia Signs XE team, male, female. Andretti United, male, female. Hispano Suiza energy team, male, female. Okay. JBXE with Jensen Button. Male, female. Rosberg X Racing. Male, female. Seggy TV Chip Ganassi Racing. Male, female. Veloci Racing. Male, female. And X44, your boy Lewis Hamilton's team. Male, female. Something tells me that that was on purpose. I have a feeling it was. But... This is how clueless we are. So, you know, bear with us. We're learning. Still cool. Nonetheless, I think that's a a neat addition to this compared to, um, wait, hold on. I'm pretty sure that's Carlos Sainz's dad. Is it? (laughs) Yeah. Is that like what you're like? Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely his dad. Wild. Yeah, Carlos Sainz, arguably one of the greatest rally drivers of all time. So yeah, it is. It is more of a, a rally style, I guess. Right. Um, yeah, these guys all look like they've come from very like ses- successful other careers. Like I don't know any of these other names, but they all look like very good drivers. Yeah, well, and it also makes sense because there are. Uh, a lot of the teams that have been uh, sponsored or kind of put on by um, former racers like Jensen Button with yeah. his JBXE racing, yeah. uh, Rosberg, like Nico Rosberg. You've got Jensen Button. You've got Carlos Sainz's dad. Uh, Chip Ganassi racing is, I'm 95% sure, in F2. Okay. Um, doesn't Ganassi, don't they have an IndyCar team too? Probably. Uh, Chip Ganassi Racing. Oh, or maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, so they're they're in IndyCar, NASCAR, the WeatherTech Sports Car Championships, which is like the um, supercars, and then in Extreme E. Dude, look at that guy. Mr. Chip Ganassi. Look at that fucking smile. 
Hold on, I gotta I gotta pull him up real quick. My man's got the <laughs> crow's feet and everything. He's got so much money. He has had a smile on his whole fucking life. He yep. knew he was going to be so rich. He popped out of his mom just fucking cheesing. <laughs> Dude, those those crow's feet are so deep. He has had them since birth, my friend. They are those are those are born from just excessive smiles bro that guy literally on the other like what he is looking at in that in that photo is his giant stack of money he's about to just go jump into even when he's like looks semi unhappy in some of these pictures (laughs) he still looks kind of happy i know (laughs) like there there are pictures of this guy where he looks like serious or deep in thought and he still just looks kind of happy like a dude, little bit dude that's funny um that's a hundred dollar bills to wipe his butthole <laughs> holy shit literal holy shit hey man call me a plumber if that's the case call me a plumber <laughs> i <laughs> that's funny but yeah, I mean, Lewis has a team. We've got Chip Ganassi who's into a lot of uh, other racing, Jensen Button, Nico Rosberg. Like, there are a lot of these teams that are uh, have people who are really respectable names in racing, yeah. which is cool. See, so, yeah, it was a uh, it was a sweet maiden voyage, I would say. Uh, uh, pretty exciting to watch. I'm looking forward to. Uh, the I would say the growth of the series. Um, I can't say I'll tune into every race. Well, that's the thing. I'll probably tune into every race, whether it'll be my favorite thing in the world. Who knows? But uh, well, you know, I I'll mean, root for Lewis and whatever he does. There are also only four races, so right. it's not that hard to tune into all of them. Right? Yeah. Do you remember the whole? Um, do you remember the whole like Elon fuck my wife joke that DMG yeah. had going on? I do. Chip Ganassi. <laughs> either that or like um like either that or Lewis, like just being such a stand for Lewis where it's like like, oh Lewis, fuck my wife. Oh Lewis, you can have my wife. Lewis, drive my car. Yo, that's <laughs> it. Lewis, drive my car. Drive Lewis. my car. Like, and not even, not even my car is in, like, I have, like, a Lambo or something, but, like, well, dude, my, Lewis, just drive my Honda. My other Lambo is a Corolla, so. It is. It is. That's a callback. That's so funny. Lewis drive uh, my car. Lewis, he, he can drive my car anytime. Drive my car any day. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I'm not married. I won't make but, I don't know, dude. I, hey, I don't know. Uh, this Extreme E Championship, I think, is is pretty cool. So sure, yeah, it's it, sweet. It's a nice shakeup, uh, change of pace on things for racing. I think it's. Uh, I, I think I my biggest curiosity is mm. how it will continue in the future, because I feel like. With only four races, them being in these four different environments and whatnot, 
are they just going to come back and do those same racetracks in the future? And it's going to become more competitive where drivers are vying for these seats where they're trying to like do it. Is it more of a, Hey, this is where electric vehicles have gone. This is the, like a, a way to show that off. That's like, what it feels like. like. I'm it curious. Like a show thing. I'm curious to see if it, it's just like a, gonna burn out and be like a one one year stint or if it's going to continue on uh and have some longevity in the racing world i mean mm. things like formula one indycar nascar moto gp like they're those things because of how competitive it is have a a really solid longevity and lasting quality to it i feel but like they all had to start somewhere right they did absolutely and a lot of them especially formula one and and like has been going on for so so long with like or, or just like car racing in general from le mans and some of these really historical kind of races have been really long standing things mm -hmm. so i'm wondering if well, even like Formula E, you know, that's like yeah. a that's like a new thing with a focus on like sustainable energy and that's you true. Know, uh, I'm just I'm just curious. I think the longevity of it, um, it could be a flash in the pan. It could mm. be something that's that's longstanding. It could right now. I I just hope. I think it's a really cool concept and I just hope that it's not just a gimmick that's going to burn out really quickly. Right. Um, I would like to see it have some longevity, but I just don't know if it will. Sure. Yes. Sure. No, I um, think that's fair to say, especially with some of the issues that we saw on the production and with the vehicles. Um, and with it being a four race season. It's hard to. That's a really good point. Yeah. It's it can be hard to get consistent viewership with such a short number of, or small number of races because it's harder to build up that kind of connection to the teams and the racers if you're only right. seeing them that few times. I think that's one of the benefits that other racing formats kind of have, where they're. Um, like you have a whole a long season with lots of races to kind of build that kind of connection or viewership for specific people and right racers and whatnot so hmm no i think that's a good point yeah interesting like, nonetheless though yeah i'm excited to see where it goes um i'm excited to see the other locales some of the other tracks i think it could be fun to follow um, at least for this first season, we'll see 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 what happens. Yeah, and the drifting through the desert was kind of sick. Yeah, dude, drifting through the ocean, I imagine, looks just as cool. I think it'll probably be easier to see, too. Um, probably, <laughs> yeah. A lot less dust, that's yeah. for sure. So that'll be cool. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. And the next race, I think, is... Uh, what did I see? So it's coming up end of May. So yeah. we still have a ways like to months. go. Yeah, which yeah. is crazy to your point. Yeah, like, oh, well, the next thing's like two months away. Yeah, because yeah. it's, about, it's about two months, and then it'll be 
one month until the third race and then two months until the fourth race. So they're really, really long times in between each race, but we'll see. Yeah. Fun to check out. Check it out. People extreme, the extreme E championships. Heck yeah. Check it out. We're not sponsored by them or anything. It was just fun. No, we just like racing. So yeah, dude, get in on it. Get in on it, dude. <laughs> Fucking shred that nerve, man. <laughs> I was just like right in the pipe, just like curving, man. You should have seen it. Should have seen it. Crazy, bro. <laughs> um, but I guess getting into uh, our next big topic, we had a couple of LCS best of fives this past weekend, which was fun as well. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we, I guess starting off with Cloud9 Team Liquid, just initial thoughts on the series and and how that went. What did he, what did you think? Well, I know I sent the text to you. Throughout the four games, there were many instances where it really just looked like Liquid just wasn't there. The the mid lane matchup between Perks and Jensen was not as competitive as I thought it was going to be. Um, That's the, just Perks, man. Playoff Perks. <laughs> like, which is disappointing, which is disappointing because it's not it like Jensen hasn't shown up in important games before. No, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I think overall, I I just would have liked to see a more competitive series. Um, I'm a fan of both teams and had been throughout the split. So... I would have just liked to see a better series out of Liquid, um, but Cloud9 played so well. Um, specifically, the way they drafted, I thought was like particularly disgusting. A lot of those boards, I think, were just straight up one in the pick and ban. Um, the Let me remember how many games he played it, but... I thought giving, especially in game four, like, well, not that they, not that they ever gave him anything, but having perks on the Lucian was just a terrible idea. He looked amazing on it. And it's a, it's a champion that you can abuse for sure. He's an ADC player. Right. You know, the best out there. G2's AD carry coming to play mid lane for cloud nine. Right, of course he's going to shine on that. Like the <laughs> the rise game was amazing. I think the uh, the per or not the perks, the Silas back and forth was like interesting. Um, you know, the Seraphine pick I think got the best of them a little bit, but dude, overall it was a pretty clean series from Cloud Nine, and I don't think Liquid really showed up. Yeah, I and I don't think that Liquid looked. Not that they looked unprepared. I just think that that Cloud9 was able to outclass them. Like the game that that Liquid won was very snowbally. Like mm. they took the lead and then they just like pushed it real fast and won. Like the other games that were a little bit 
closer in the early game and a little more competitive, I felt like Cloud9 was able to just kind of control the game flow a bit more and and build their leads and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, stompy games are going to get stompy. Like if if there's a team if a team gets a big lead early, like it's very easy to just run it and and win quickly in this meta I feel like currently. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot to say about a team that can uh, be in competitive games and make the right macro plays to consistently win. Like it seemed as though cloud nine did when they didn't just get behind too far early. Well, and even when they were being out macroed by liquid, they were winning team fights. Like, they were team fighting so well. Like it was disgusting. Some of the positioning. Like Zven was getting out. He's so fucking good, man. Yeah. Yeah. He was demanding so much attention in those fights. Like they they couldn't even really look at perks after a certain point. Like the rise game. Like they they were throwing everything at him on um, I think he was playing Jinx. Yeah, they were throwing everything at him and just he just, died once. Yeah, uh, dude, there there just isn't much that this team is doing wrong, really, ever. Dude, Vulcan had 15 that, fucking assists in that game in a, so, when Cloud9 had 17 kills. What is that? That's 90% kill participation. Yeah, pretty much. That's insane, bro. Blabber, fifteen, a part of fifteen kills, um, eight kills, eight assists. That's sixteen. Sixteen out of seventeen. He was there for everything, bro. Yeah, like, and I think in general, it really highlighted for me how good Vulcan is in this meta, at least. Like. I I knew Vulcan was good. We all knew that. We knew he was probably top three or four supports in NA for like last year and this year. But seeing how he did on, I mean, 0-1 and 11 on the Alistar, 1-2 and 0 on the Rel and a loss. Oh, oh, and, and fifteen. And on even the on even on the rail, like you can expect some deaths. Like you're engaging. You're supposed to just go in there and die, but he's still he's still like living. Yeah, and that's even that's in a loss, obviously. But like, right. yeah, like and, you have to go play make. But yeah, to your point, he went oh oh fifteen on Thresh, and then oh one on seven on Brom. Yeah, it's just uh, it's pretty incredible. And I also liked that they kind of. Well, they shifted Fudge onto the Scion for three games. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a little bit of a different look for them as well. Like they've had Fudge play some carry champions and played a a top-focused game and let Sven and Vulcan kind of just manage the 2v2 on their own with like less jungle pressure. Um, And not that they didn't show any attention towards the top lane in this series, but putting fudge on a non-carry champion and just letting him play that that tank matchup i think was a slightly different look than what they seem to have been going with and i think that that's good for if cloud nine goes to play internationally at msi i think that that's a good thing 
to, I think, prove in a competitive series that he can play different styles. I mean, in game one, they had him on the Renekton and had him on more of a dueling bruiser kind of champion and then switched back to the Scion. Um, so I thought that was a, a nice thing to see as well from the series. And not only, so I was like collecting my thoughts, not only for the top lane, the isolated top lane matchup with Alfari, who played four different champions in four games. Which I think is a little bit weird. Well, not just for a player, but for the team in general. It means they're like, ah, what do we, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Right. Um, but yeah, just the having having the consistent pick on the scion gives them just great engage, a stone wall in the top on the top side. Uh, so yeah, I think that was a great a great pick for them. Yeah, it's they not were just some, it's not going to get banned out either. Scion's right. not a bannable right. champion in this meta. Yeah, so I think I uh, so I think overall Cloud Nine just yeah way outclassed, way outclassed. And I I hope that we do have a little bit more uh, of a competitive series with whoever faces Cloud Nine in the finals, um, since this was the I guess semifinal technically. Well, it's going to uh, be one of the semifinals. It's going to be TSM against them in the final, right? Well, TSM has to play Liquid first. So the schedule this upcoming, because that was Liquid's first loss in the, they were in the upper bracket still. So Saturday is TSM versus Liquid. What is this? And then Sunday is going to be Cloud9 versus the winner of that series. Because that was that was Liquid's first loss in, or first series loss in this. That makes sense. So if it's double elims, then uh, okay. So they'll play TSM in the I guess like losers bracket finals. So then hundred thieves will play the loser of Liquid TSM. No. So they're just done then. They're just done. Oh. Yeah, because that was their that was Hundred Thieves second loss. And whoever whoever would lose in the TSM liquid series, it would be their second loss as well. Gotcha. Okay. That was the that was the part of the tournament that I was missing was the double limb part. Okay. Spoiler alert, everyone. TSM won their series. So we'll Surpri- get to that. I mean, <laughs> fucking surprisingly, dude, they lost to Liquid. Yeah, uh, I I think that is going to be... Bad letters. <laughs> I think that's what's actually pretty exciting for me about this upcoming weekend. Because right now, no offense to any of the other teams, I feel pretty confident that Cloud9 is going to win against either team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not really, in a sense... Uh, concerned about the finals, but I think... Seeing how TSM has won back-to-back series now after being knocked down to the loser's bracket early Momentum. on. I think seeing them have this additional matchup um, 
versus liquid, I think that's going to be really interesting to see. Um, they team liquid looked pretty sloppy or not. So they just didn't look at top form against cloud nine. And I think this will be more of a testament to whether that's because cloud nine is just a bit better and, and beat up on them a little bit or whether uh, liquid just maybe had a bad day or something. And same with TSM. You don't, I mean, they've won both their series after losing to liquid. They won three, one in both of their next series. Maybe TSM just had a bad day against liquid. The first matchup. I think that's cool to see them get a second opportunity uh, against liquid in a best of five series again. So you look a little confused. No, I'm not confused. <laughs> I just like, yeah, I just kind of hope, I hope that it goes better this time. Um, because yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that great the first time around. And I would like to see them get to the, um, I'd like to see them get to the final boss of cloud nine, but you I think want, Genshin you may just be want too to much. see the zillion pick man. Yeah. Game five zillion pick. Silver scrapes playing in my fucking brain. Dude, that's all I crave for every weekend is just three silver scrapes. Well, I guess two, Saturday uh, and Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Two two in this sense. Two Earlier. silver scrapes. Yeah. I, I wonder if that guy just like claws his eyes out when he hears that song. Absolutely not. He's raking in cash. That's true. Do you do you remember the original reason that that happened that silver scrapes became the like best of five like game five song at one point i probably did know this yeah go ahead okay and tell me. so so i re i actually was watching the stream when it happened and this was i forget how many years this is like six years ago or something like that but the lcs had a best of five series they were just playing like it was before they had like the pentakill and those other like the right. KDA music groups that Riot has like created music for and whatnot. But they would play like different songs. And somehow there was a there was a long pause for one of the matchups. And uh... Silver Scrapes, for whatever reason was on and it just was like looping on repeat. oh fuck that's for like funny. for like 45 minutes or something ridiculous like that gotcha and so this like the artist didn't even know that this was happening like he had people reach out to him and be like yo man your uh, song is like playing on loop for this series like that's on that's like paused and, and had i think it was like some sort of technical bug or something like that and the dude was like wait what and the song just people liked it so it ended up becoming that like game five like intense moment song that riot uses for gotcha. those situations that's funny okay yeah. I guess I never realized that. I had seen the um I remember seeing the little Whatchahoogie that they did, like that when they went and interviewed him. Um and yeah. I, I guess I 
I, 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 I forget that. Yeah, yeah, it was it. I think it was it had to be like six years ago, something like that. I'm guessing that was. I don't know. Six years ago would have been the 2015. Yeah, somewhere around then. Gotcha. Interesting, man. That's crazy. Danny McCarthy. Shout out to you there, guy. Yeah. But, Back when uh, Double Lift was still playing and Berkson wasn't a coach, the golden years, man, the golden years. And the NA production value hasn't improved since. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I, I'm maybe just kidding. a smidge at least. They're they're not playing the same song on loop for like an hour and a half or two hours. That's true. That's true. In between, do you remember? Days. Do you remember the big pause at Worlds out in California? Actually, not really. When they when they were playing all the, I think it was playing all the playoff stage games like outside. No, yeah, Why it do was I the, not remember this? Uh, I was the year. I think. I think. I think. Uh, I, I forget like- who won that year, but uh, yeah, they there was like a really long pause that uh, Damon and the other big guy. The other guy that he was always on with, he had like two names. What was Joe, his name? Joe Miller. Don't call me Joe Miller Miller. Yes. Yes. <laughs> or sorry. Guy. Joe, don't, don't call me Joe Miller Miller. That's yes. What it was. <laughs> that guy. Him and him and Damon. Yeah. Who I'm, I'm sure is just nice and retired with his wife and kids at this point. Well, the two of them. Uh, I think they went to go cast like Overwatch CSGO, to- right? Yeah, they shifted over. Yeah, shout out um, those guys, great casters, phenomenal. Yeah, they were they really did an awesome job of it. I think Joe Miller may still cast. I don't mm. know. Don't call me Joe um, Miller. Joe Miller. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and and him and and D- Damon D Man, however you say it. Yeah, they they killed it. That's just some some more uh, sprinkling in the nostalgia right there. The deep lore, dude. <laughs> the deep lore. Um, but I guess talking about uh, talking about TSM, talking about uh, them going up against Liquid this coming weekend in that semifinals matchup, um, they look pretty solid. I was I was overall. Uh, they looked better than they did in the first Liquid series. They did, and I think the pick ban was stronger. Pick ban was definitely stronger. Hundred Thieves sucks. It was it was tough. Like it kind of it was a similar matchup in my mind to the Cloud Nine Liquid series. Like I felt as though. TSM just kind of had the upper hand, especially in the draft phase and everything. I didn't, I didn't feel like Hundred Thieves uh, was extremely competitive in that. I think they they played the games pretty close for what it was, mm-hmm. but with their drafts overall, I think that they put themselves. I think they painted themselves into a corner a lot with like their win conditions um playing i mean playing multiple games of the 380 carry comp essentially with 
the first one being Jace, Ash, and Lucian, with, especially with Alilia jungle, where you don't really like your only tank is your support. The next game, similar thing Jace, Ash, Tristana with Alilia jungle. Like your win conditions are very tough when you're goal is to try and essentially poke the other team out a little bit before you start fights um, when the other team has so much different engage. I mean, TSM picked the NAR, the Oriana, the REL. So you have shockwaves, you have pulls, you have the NAR ultimate, like uh, the next game, Syndra with the stuns, Alistar with the Naka, the headbutt pulverize. You've mm. got the Nar ultimate. Like TSM was consistently picking solid engage and solid just um, team fight in general. Team fighting and hundred thieves instead of matching them they for the like team Pope fighting. Com. Yeah, and they like yeah okay like I get it. Tristan is really strong in the meta right now. But it seems like they were giving away the rest of their draft other than securing, like, some top-tier junglers. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't even call it top-tier. So you got Lilia two games in a row. You did the you did the Udyr thing in game three, which helped you win that game with the FBI. But notably, they made the swap. They kept the Jace in the top lane, but they put an AP mid laner. There you right. go. And then... In game four, they went with the fucking set Tristana. I don't know, man. I I I think they gave away too much in their drafts to get the Tristana. I I would definitely agree. And I just think in general, like they're like looking at their game four lineup, like the the set Tristana is just not a super common or a super common bot lane right now. And for a reason, it's not mm. that they're bad champions necessarily, but they're just stronger champions. The fact right. that and stronger champions together, it's the seems. fact that Zaya and Rakan who are really not heavily, I mean, the Zaya is decently picked right now, but Rakan is not really that meta right now. The fact that that lane beat them. Dude. Zaya, Zaya, and Rakan have so many tools together. They do, but why are they not picked that frequently then? They're just better options. Yeah, well, I think the tough thing with Rakan is you put your engage on a squishy guy, but it was okay because you had the the Nocturne Udir as like dive buddies. So I think right. that was okay. But yeah, I don't think it's going to work out every game. But the Zaya can work every game. The self-heal, the CC, yeah. she's got insane damage, bro. Late game, she can she can tap with the best of them. Yeah, and that's why I directed it a little bit more just at the, uh, the Rakan pick in general. Sure. Just because I think the fact that... Like, how far down the list of bot lane matchups do you have to go to get to set tristana pretty that's, far that's decently far down you've like there's no way 
I would have to look at the picks and bans for that last game. Yeah, I'd want to see what they banned. Here, I'm going to... have been like three ADs. I'm going to pull it up here because I'm curious, but I feel like the likelihood of that having been their only option, essentially, I think is is pretty pretty low. Right. Um, and the little eSports site is giving me issues. Oh, there we go. Hate to see it. So let's see if they'll show me the picks and bands. There we go. Yeah, so for 80 carries that were banned out, Senna was banned out, of course. Kaisa mm. and Jinx were banned out. Gotcha. Okay, so they did take three top tier away. They did. Um, and, but it's... The Tristana's not as big of an issue for me as the the set. The set, right. The only support ban was Alistar. And... Um, I guess, well, Alistar and Rel. Thresh was open. Nautilus was open. Yeah. There yeah, are... that's that's looking a whole lot more suspect when you have all that. I think a Thresh would have been much better. You give some protection uh, for your AD carry to help with a little extra escape if there's a dive. Like you have the lantern out if the nocturne decides to go after you, you can right. peel back, pull your eighty carry back. Um, Thresh hooking a Rakan with how squishy he is yeah. is huge. Yeah, like Set has to get so close up in your face to be able to do anything. They did do pretty decent in the early game, if I remember, in the in like a trade or two. But yeah, overall, it was just a pretty non-impactful little uh, little duo that um, Hundred Thieves had picked for the bottom lane in game four. Yeah, and I think at the end of it, because the set was the last thing that was picked too. Yeah, like yeah, so it's clear was... they were like waiting to like that was like their set piece. They're like, aha, we got gotcha. you. Yeah, that was their counter pick. They right. chose set, and so they knew the entire like I would have way preferred to see a thresh there mm. and i don't know if maybe maybe it's a champion pool uh pool issue for who he i don't know um but i think there were better options there that would have given them a higher likelihood of winning but tough to say or winning that game at least, maybe not right, the series. Right. But. No, I, I, I think the, I think the pick ban was pretty weak in that aspect. I think you're right. Yeah. So the focus on the Jace was like funny. It was almost like, it was almost like they were baiting with the Nar to like, yeah, do whatever you want with the fucking with the top lane. We're just gonna put him on that, and he'll be fine. Yeah, it seemed like Jace they were... is like a decent lane counter pick, but you lose so much of that like team fighting potential from it. Yeah, you're you're 
goal is to hopefully just explode someone with a burst of damage and then have a five shot flash and then hop at them. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's your goal to, to win team fights is to burst someone and just take up, knock them out of the fight. Right. So. Yeah. Overall pretty weak series from hundred thieves. I think they were focused on some of the wrong things in the pick and ban and then TSM just team fought better. Yeah. So uh, I guess going into this weekend, so we have the TSM Team Liquid and then Winner going to face Cloud9. What are your expectations of the TSM Team Liquid series? I mean, the first series between the two went 3-1 in the favor of Liquid. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have uh, expectations for a closer series? Do you think one of the teams looked a bit better that might um, just send them on pretty easily to the finals. I think TSM looked better than they did in the liquid series, but I think it's still going to be a tall order for them to win. If, Oh fuck. Excuse me. If depending on how team liquid is picking and banning, if TSM still wants to do just like the five V five team fight thing. I mean, they, I think they just still might have it. Like they looked really good playing that strategy and Mm. people may be, you know, team liquid may be fucking around, man. They may not know what's up. Yeah. I think, uh, I agree with you on the team fighting. I think TSM seems to have built a lot of synergy with those team fighting comps throughout the the season. Yeah. Um, And they look pretty good. I think that team liquid has the better one V one matchups in a lot of the, the different matchups. Like I would say really, I mean, I think they have the upper hand in the mid lane. I think that, Liquid has the upper hand in the top lane at support. I think AD carry is probably the only one which is like relatively contested. So I think that this series is going to come down a lot to that cohesion and team cohesion to see how they can uh, pull it together. Cause that can easily, um, the whole can be greater than the sum of its parts. Right. Um, the theory in that, I had no idea what that was called. I've just heard it said, but, (laughs) but yeah, I I really, overall, I think that TSM has a really good uh, cohesive unit. And so I think they might be able to outclass liquid um, or not outclass, but might be able to beat liquid in that series. Potentially. I think it'll be pretty close. The one thing, and this is like, like a bit of minutia, But the one thing that I noticed with TSM was they were so ready to pull the trigger on Baron to the degree that it was like catching 100 Thieves like out. Like napping. They did it in every game. Yeah. And that, and, and I think that was the big difference that I saw in TSM between the two series is they were like, they were just making the decisions and, and just going with them. Super decisive. Right. And not only that, especially when you're playing around the Baron and like knowing how long it's going to take, do you have a quick Baron? 
they were it was it was it was gusto and it was like 23 24 25 minutes like I liked seeing that and it was obvious that they they knew the steps that they had to take to close a game and they were willing to do them right when they want to fight. And yeah. on top of that, they were winning fights that arguably they shouldn't have been winning based on positioning and just like outplays. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Those I are like the two big things that I saw. I don't think liquid will get caught sleeping like that, but Dude, you never I don't know, know. man. You I don't never know. know 22 minutes, 23, 23 minutes. If a ward goes out there, it could happen. Hey. Sometimes it's better to uh, to make a bad decision as a whole team than it is to make a split decision that's wow. a good idea. Like, right. So, and not that the TSM Barons were bad decisions, but sometimes, like sometimes, when you have the entire team on board and you just go for something, it just can work out. In yeah, that, get a little bit of magic, man. Yeah. And well, if there's anyone who should be talking about making decisive bearing calls, it's you. So, that, well, that that's <laughs> what it is, man. Like, I like that. Like, it's yeah. it's a strong thing to know how to do well, right? And they were doing it really well. You Definitely. know, you know me. I'm a I'm a fan of the Baron call. But yeah. yo, dude, how funny! I saw a meme where it was it was like four panels, and it was Spica on two of them, and it was our dragon. I sleep, you're barren. And it was like God mode. And he was like all like lit up and like red eyed and shit. I was like, yo, that's actually hilarious. I mean, that's really what I, they, yeah. there were a couple times where they were like, oh, dragon's up. Yeah. Yeah. Take that. Like, yeah. we got, we're well, just gonna... he lost the smite a couple of times was the that's thing. True. And yeah. he got the barren steel, which I thought was huge. Arguably yeah. that won them the series that like gave them the like nail in the coffin. Yeah. But, uh, I would say so. Yeah. Just overall, I, I think much improved on TSMs to the degree that I think it'll like serve them well in the liquid series. I'm feeling it'll go three, two. I'm going to guess TSM just cause I'm a Stan. I'm going to go three, two, the other way. But I think it's going to be a really close series. I just if think Jensen's that Jensen's picking Ari. You're fucked. I just think that Liquid has a um, has the better matchup in most of the one v ones. I think that will come into play decently. I don't think that Liquid sure. will be caught sleeping as much as uh, Hundred Thieves was by TSM. So I think that there will be a lot more contest. Uh, Con contestion i think would be the word there the the different Contest. objectives will be contested much more <laughs> yeah that sounds good too yeah so yeah. well done. i think that uh yeah i think that they'll force some more fights that 100 thieves wasn't able to and and be able to come out on top because of that but okay solid analysis either way um would it really be NALCS or LCS if it yeah, wasn't, if it wasn't TSM, like, Liquid, yeah. and C9 at the top? It's been that way for as long well, as I can remember. And even after, like, so, like, it felt like a different kind of, like, split. It felt like, oh, like, Dignitas, like, oh, yeah. evil geniuses. And then it all just shook out, and you're like, okay. Yeah, there was, it's... Uh, Pobelter still sucks. What right? is... 
what is that LEC meme that it's like something something and G two wins the championship or whatever it is? Oh, like, that's funny. It's, it's that's just, actually hilarious. Well, it, it, it used to be Fnatic back in the yeah, day. Yeah, I think I think it's uh it's switched over, but like yeah, it it for years it's been just like those two. It's like up. Oh, Something, something, and one of these teams wins right, it all. Like, right. <laughs> so. Jesus, man. Um, well, if we want to start moving towards the deck tech, I have to hit the restroom real quick. But um, okay. if you want to give a little uh, intro to to the deck that we'll be talking about. Can do. Cool. Be right I would back. love to. All right, so this evening we're taking a look at my Yerick the Desecrated deck. Um, it's one of my Commander 9 decks, kind of like one of my favorites, one of the ones that's taken taken a while to uh, like hone, I guess. I never really knew the strategy. Um, in Magic, everybody knows the joke, like Saltai good stuff is the easiest thing. Um, green, black, blue, pretty pretty standard strong color combination um in like one of the one of the bigger decks in the format you know you just add white and you have the you know you have the thing so yarek has taken me a little longer to put together um and like kind of find where i want to go with it but um this is primarily a like graveyard value trying to win with a big exsanguinate or a stream of thought after uh generating a bunch of blue mana to just like mill out the table um so exsanguinate and stream are like the two win conditions and then we just have a bunch of like enter the en enter the battlefield value um to try and get there now i'm gonna hand it off to aaron as i go grab my um phone and my deck uh we just talked a little bit about what's going on and we'll get uh your impressions uh about what you think about just uh, overall what you see what you think's going on cool all right people so it's my time to shine. <laughs> uh, so we got Yorok the uh, Desecrated. So he is a, a tricolor deck. So we've got uh, black, green, and blue going on here. Um, I'm sure Justin mentioned that. We've got two Planeswalkers in the deck, which are uh, some pretty strong cards. Uh, you've got Tamiyo, the Collector of Tales, and Vraska, the Golgari Queen. Um a lot of different creatures throughout the deck. So I feel like this is going to be a more creature-based deck. I would have to uh, to look a little more individually. Um, but you do have a good mix of counter spells coming throughout. Um, a few different ways to kind of destroy uh, destroy creatures and draw cards throughout. Um, yeah, so see here. I'd heard, um, I'd heard you say a creature based deck, and you're right because his ability. Yes. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep, I can hear you. Perfect. 
So his ability, he says, if a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. So basically, you said trigger a lot there. Yeah, well, that's I'm, the thing. I'm triggered. It's trigger. I'm <laughs> triggered. I'm so triggered by all the triggers. Um, the idea is to have creatures hit the battlefield and lands hit the battlefield and some enchantments and just like double the double the value of what I was originally going to get. And shout out Aaron Sakashima of a thousand faces that came in one of your commander legends packs. So you got me. This is a great card. So it says the legend rule doesn't apply and I can have him enter as a copy of Yarek. So when things hit the battlefield, copy, copy, and then I get the original thing. So I'm just getting all sorts of value when things hit the battlefield, primarily creatures. There's okay. two planeswalkers are in there. Tamio is in there to help fill up my graveyard and buy things back with her minus three. So the plus one is basically just put four cards into your graveyard and you have a chance at getting one back. And then minus three is just grab something out of your graveyard. And then Veraska yeah. is just um, destroy, hopefully like an early game mana rock. And then her plus two is just some some value. I can sack off lands, draw cards to hopefully get to my more um, win related cards. So she's more of like a value piece. Tammy is like a graveyard graveyard piece. And then everything else is um, ramp, some removal in the instance, and then a pretty yeah. good. A tutor package um but yeah other than that it's it functions like a like graveyard value deck okay so give me uh i guess an example of your uh yarok triggering the ability of a permanent you control like the i'm still a little shaky so, on his ability and how that actually plays out in a deck okay so i have a couple of examples here i'll just grab three creatures out cool so let's say it is turn six i have yarrick out he's on the battlefield and i have a whole bunch of mana to work with i'm gonna try and i'm gonna try and get some things done right so I'm going to cast Eternal Witness, put her on the battlefield. She says, when he enters the battlefield, you may return target card from your graveyard to your hand. So I'm going to get one of those, and then because it entered the battlefield, it's a permanent entering the battlefield, and it's triggering its own ability, I'll get a second one. So from my graveyard, I can pull two cards out instead of one. Okay, so it doubles up abilities right. that are laid down during that turn, essentially. Mm -hmm. And specifically things like hitting the battlefield. Okay. Specifically things like coming in. It, it right. can't be you an got instant. It. it would have to be like an artifact. It would have to be a creature. It would have to right. be something like that. Right. Okay. So a lot of a lot of the things that I'm getting doubles of are basically just like draw cards, return things, and ramp. It's not that exciting, but it does accelerate me really fast. Um, this is, and you'll see these guys again. 
But this is one of my favorite combos. So you have Vigian Graph Mage and Incubation Druid. So if Incubation Druid has a plus one plus one counter, she can tap for three mana. Vigian Graph Mage can put plus one plus one counters on things and untap things that have plus one plus one counters. So she can tap for three mana with a plus one plus one counter. And then untap for two. Tap for three, untap for two, tap for three, untap for two. You can generate infinite blue mana that way. And then you put that into an outlet. What are the outlets? The exsanguinate or stream of thought you can do. And okay. those just can kill the table at once. All so right. it is it is value until we like get to our combo and it has a bunch of removal a bunch of interaction to like disrupt my opponents and um so exsanguinate stop them would, from doing their things so exsanguinate would be your combo so if you are able to get the vigian graph mage and what was it eternal witness uh, Vigian Graph Mage and the Incubation Druid. Incubation Druid on the field. Yep. And you have Exsanguinate, you just win. As long as it doesn't get countered, yeah. Okay, but yeah. that... Yeah, and that says each opponent loses X life, and X would be the number of mana. So you could just build up by doing that little combo with the Vigian Graph Mage and the Incubation Druid. Like, Ian, what's your life total? 150. I drain you for 150. Yeah. and Whatever number of mana I want is fine, yeah. Whoever whoever is the highest, uh, you just do that and everyone dies unless they have some sort of counter. Right. So then, that's one way to do it, and then you always want to have backup in your deck, so you could also do it with the um, Stream of Thought, where instead of draining their life, you just drain out their libraries, they have no more cards left. Gotcha. That, though, is a less preferred strategy. Um, I'm sure there are some people listening right now saying, but what about Shuffle Titans? And yeah, that's why it's not like the most... Um, that's why it's your plan B. <laughs> right, exactly. It's it's a plan B that's in there. And I know um, none of us have Eldrazi. So what a Shuffle Titan is, it says, if this thing hits your graveyard, shuffle it and the rest of your graveyard back into your library. So like you there you can't you can't mill somebody out because it'll always like reshuffle. Gotcha. Um, I nobody in our playgroup has those, so it doesn't matter. I can I can play that card. I'm safe. But yeah. yeah, so that's my redundancy to win with my oodles and oodles of mana. But the one thing that I really like about this deck is that it has a good amount of my like alternate arts. Oh, so okay. like full art, lands, these are sweet. We have the alternate art, full art, solemn simulacrum. Like these are just cards that just look insane to me. That are like some of my favorites. Gotcha. Um, Field of the Dead, really good land. So this is an example of not just a creature, but if if this is triggering when Yerick's on the battlefield because a land is a permanent, I'll get double value off this as well. 
which makes me zombies when other lands enter. We got the alternate art Baleful Strix. That came in the secret lairs. That was fucking awesome. But so, yeah, just like all sorts of cool stuff in here, art-wise as well. Go what ahead. are some of your um, ways that you are countering other people then in this? Like how – so uh. you have – I see you have your instance. You've got a counter spell, a counter squall, um, yep. and some other instance in this. So, what are yeah? What are some ways that you can use those to kind of counter uh, your opponent's win conditions? Uh, all right. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you one of my favorite little things here. So, you name two of them. These are my two counter spells, or two of the big ones anyway, counter spell and counter squall. We've got Assassin's Trophy right here to kill my opponent's things if need be. But we've got a little package here that is quite useful more often than not. Let me find the land here. So we want to be a preface this a little bit we want to be able to play our our turn out but also have the resources available to stop my opponents if they're going to try and do something stupid like win the game right <laughs> we don't want them doing that no can't, so can't let that happen we have cards like seedborn muse so she says untap all permanents you control during each other player's untap step so every on every other player's turn, I'm able to untap all my lands, any of my mana rocks, any of my mana creatures. I basically get another turn on each of my opponent's turns. So that allows you my mana. So that allows you to cast instants at yep. that instant speed. You got it. So we want to have access to her to be able to do stuff on my opponent's turns. We have Alchemist Refuge which says you may cast non-land cards this turn as though they had flash. That means creatures, sorceries, enchantments. I can activate this and then cast non-instant speed things at instant speed. Gotcha. So that helps me do it. And then I grab crop rotation as well because at instant speed... Crop rotation can help me find this land or my bajuka bog or um, any of the other lands that are trying to like interact with my opponents and not just get me value. So pretty much everything in this deck is set up to either be able to use it more than once or use it at an inopportune time for my opponents. Gotcha. While generating what they like to call in in magic value just drawing cards having life having more card advantage more cards in my graveyard just have more resources to work with gotcha and like i was telling um like i was telling the people this has taken much longer to put together overall um hmm. just because you get like blue green black good stuff is really easy to make it's just it's so good in Commander. The cards are just far and above red and white as far as the Commander format goes. Um, and when you put them all together in one Commander, it's just super easy to play, usually. You just you really do get access to all the best cards. Um, 
So I kind of had to figure out like, oh, what route do I actually want to go with it? And I've since been able to kind of rein it in. Gives you some more build paths to kind of uh, figure out how you want to hand or what you want your win conditions to be, as opposed to with certain colors being kind of forced into, like we had talked with white, not having really a ton of options. They're kind of pigeonholed into a certain play style. Right. So gotcha. Very cool. Yeah, so this is this is one of my babies. I like all the alternate art in it, and it's just uh, tends to be pretty strong, pretty fun to play. It's a good one. Um, yeah, seems like a really solid deck because it uh, it does kind of cover any weaknesses a lot with those instants and some of the uh, different abilities that you can gain to to have those counter spells available. Um, mm-hmm. Fan of that, I like that. It gives you a lot of uh, agency for yourself. Yeah, Yarrick is what they like to call a kill-on-site commander, where like the turn that I play him, most times he'll die immediately. Um, people don't let it get off the ground too easily at all. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. As, uh, have you played him and been able to win with him? I have pulled out, I think, I think two victories with the Eric he has. Okay, cool. Yeah, and with the um, and with the Graph Mage combo too, so it's uh, it can be pretty reliable, especially with all the creature tutors and ways to get access to it. It's uh, tends to be pretty free sometimes. Let me get you the actual number of uh, win um, loss for it. Yeah, Yarig uh, has won zero times on the Commander 9, but I know he won recently on webcam. Gotcha. So, like, an un, an unranked victory he has. Gotcha. Which, which obviously isn't as fun, but, you know. Still a win. It's still a dub. It's still a dub. We're getting there, though. Take those. Yeah, I know um, I played... I was playing Najila the other night, and I'm I'm very much looking forward to when we get to get to her for the deck tech. But I was playing Najila the other night with my new Mana Crypt, and having access to the Mana Crypt actually won me that game. Like that two extra mana was like a big help. And when I played it, Jason was like, "Oh," and Ian didn't say anything. And I'm convinced that from that moment, Ian's been shook and he's just like, oh, shit, I got to step my game up. He's going to win now. <laughs> and it's just one card in one deck, but goddamn, it felt good. Still, I'm, I hope that there are more opportunities that you can win with some cards that they aren't expecting. Um, that That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, because none of us talk about like our new buys, so they always just show up and you're just like, whoa, nice. You're like, yeah, it's always sweet. Can't wait to see the Pact of Negation come out. Oh, bro. <laughs> Me too. That deck, the deck that I put that in has both Force of Will and Pact of Negation, so that's two free counter spells. I'm just oh, rolling man. in it now, dude. I'm so powerful. You gotta put them Over in Over 9,000, my friend. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, any anything else that you wanted to hit on before we wrap this episode up? 
Uh, no, I don't think so. That's really all I had. I just wanted to hit the F1 topics, the, the league, the league series and talk about my magic deck. That was fun. Anything else for you, sir? No, that covers everything. Really looking forward to this week's, uh, LCS matchups. I'm curious to see how that goes. I think there's, uh, some pretty big expectations based on the, the organ, the orgs that are in it between TSM liquid and C9. Um, so it should be pretty fun. Yeah, I agree. There we go. That has been the tall and short of it, everybody. Peace out. Later, guys. Mm -hmm. Let me get the thing. Hold on. Cut this out. Mike, 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 Mike. Thank you.